We are Spry, a group of remote digital marketers who want you to succeed beyond your wildest dreams. Our curiosity drives us to constant learning, and that learning leads to constant teaching. So come along with us on the Spry Space podcast, where we share what we know, learn what we don't, and do it all wherever we want. And welcome to the Surprise Space Podcast. I'm Lacey, and today there are four of us here. Uh, we have the wonderful Miss Lindy here. Hello. We've got the fabulous Miss Rachel. Hi, hi. And the extraordinary Miss Amber. Ooh, I like that. Hey, Sprites. <laughs> all right. Well, welcome, everybody. How are you all doing today? Magnificent. Fantastic. Yep, doing pretty good. Well, for 2020, I would say that that's fantastic. I'm really glad that you're doing okay. I feel like most days I'm running on half uh, half cuckoo bananas. Um, as we're coming here into December 2020, we decided to focus this week's podcast on a reflection, okay? We are looking back across the vast reaches of 2020 at everything that has ensued and how it has affected us as social media managers. And then next week on the podcast, we're going to have Adrian and Chad and Seth, and we're going to be looking forward to 2021. So, uh, Amber, are you ready to look back on the trauma that we've experienced yeah, over the last year? I was year? just going to say, maybe we should title this podcast, Misery Loves Company. <laughs> I think that's so true. <laughs> yeah. What is it, Lynn? Hindsight is twenty twenty. Amen. <laughs> That's good. Okay, so let's, I, I want you to do a little exercise. I want you to think back, 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 back to January, right? In January, we had our last all team meeting where most of us were in person and we were planning, we were making such great strategies and plans for what 2020 was going to look like. And then came February and March, right? And the very first thing that started happening was um, COVID, right? So COVID came and all of a sudden we had this stay home, stay safe order. So um, Rachel, from your perspective, <clears throat> as we started into this, this social distancing time for COVID, what was your reaction as a social media manager? Um, my first reaction was put on the brakes, hold, stall, everything, stop putting stuff out. We don't know what's going on. Uh, we don't know what to put out. Everything needs to stop. <laughs> yeah, somebody I was talking, I forget who I was talking to yesterday, but they said, um, oh, yes, we woke up that morning and the world was different. So everything had to be rethought. Yeah. And how many times has it been the world is different this year? In just this year alone. Yeah. What about for you, Amber? As you started thinking with your clients um, and and COVID came in, what what was it like for you with your clients as COVID started? Well, so typically when I write there, we always have the brand personas and the tones in the back of our head of that. You know, I think I can't remember if I'm at six or seven different managed clients for Spry and they're all a little different in tone. Right. So when that happened, it felt like everything kind of became the same, like empathetic and loving. It, it all became a similar tone. And um, every every client kind of wanted to send a different message. Some wanted to be really brave and go after it. Some wanted to be like, nope, business as usual. Some wanted to um, 
you know, maybe be a little gentler and poke at, poke at it, uh, and be like, Hey, we love you. We understand this is hard. Um, so that was really challenging is just managing that shift, um, with all of our clients. That's an interesting insight. The idea of how it almost homogenized tone, um, Cause that's so true. I, I remember in our first couple of conversations as a group when everybody was really nervous and my, you know, stubborn optimism was like, but look at the opportunity, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden everyone is experiencing the same thing. And so we can talk to people in a way that is going to get through to them and relate to them because we know what's happening in their life. Cause it's happening in all of our lives too. So Lindy, you help everybody out at Spry. And so as somebody who kind of touches and helps everybody, what was it like for you when we all started freaking out because we had to stop and change our plans? Well, in the beginning, it was interesting because it was like, oh, we're just going to be have this for a short amount of time. So it was kind of this like, oh, you know, two weeks, you know, let's, it's weird. We'll get back to normal, whatever. But then progressively as the quarantines and things became longer and longer and then essential workers and slowly opening back up, it was a lot about, okay, well, which of our clients can have people, which of our clients can't have people. Um, and we really love to focus on social media for good. So we also tried to look at our communities and be like, okay, well, how can we help people that aren't even our clients? You know, we offered to donate time to um, restaurants and things to help them manage takeouts. Um, so it was really wonderful to watch people go, okay, how can I best serve my client in this crazy atmosphere? And then how can I use my time to serve my community at large? Okay, so that brings to to attention a really good point that I think that all of us realized at that time, which is how vital social media has become as a communication tool during um, emergencies or big changes, right? Um, crisis communications, I think, is the the official term for that. So all of a sudden we had to explain to people new hours, new rules for coming and could reach them very effectively through social media. Um, Rachel, did you have quite a few clients who you realized that as well, that like this crisis communication aspect came into play? Yeah. And it was really interesting because it really, for a lot of our clients became the primary way that they were communicating with their customers and their patients and their clients, um, which was really interesting and uh, really brought to light, like you said, how critical the social media is. And, um, you know, it was kind of, it was different than it ever had been before um, in a really good way. And it, and it made what we were doing so much more valuable than it had been even, you know, two weeks before that. It was crazy. Yeah, wasn't it interesting, Amber, when, you know, all of these people who as stores were, were closing during quarantine and that kind of thing, um, and people were, their job wasn't really secure anymore, but then us social media managers, all of a sudden, our role became hypercritical. Right. I remember feeling like, well, a couple different ways, but like, oh, thank goodness, you know, we've already been doing this 
from home. I think we even did a podcast about it. Like we're professionals at this. Let us help you learn how to work from home. Um, and so at first it was, uh, there was a secure feeling. Um, but I will tell you when my husband was home for that couple weeks and we were doing all these projects, I was like, Oh man, I wish I was getting paid to not do anything right now. (laughs) (laughs) I felt similarly a few times. I'm like, I'm like, I'm great. I'm glad that we get to keep our jobs during this time. But also all these other people are getting a break and extra unemployment. And like, wait a minute. I'm working. (laughs) I'm homeschooling. I have people around making it hard to work. Thankfully, I mean, ultimately, I still had that flexibility with Spry. Um, And I I think most social media managers, I'm sure, do. um, That when that did happen, I was still able to, you know, when Jason, my husband, would we we built it or we started to we built the platform, which is the hardest part of a playhouse, a treehouse, and yeah, it is cool. You'll have to. I'm excited for you to come be with me in human form and get to see it. Um, but if he needed help staining boards or something like that, it, no matter what, I could take a break and go help my family for a few hours, and that was precious time. I mean, I did, I did not hate that moment in time. And Lindy, you got your husband home for a while too when he normally isn't home during the day. Was that as a as a remote worker, how was it having your husband around when you're not used okay, to having him there? So I love him dearly, but <laughs> he did not Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, how do I phrase this the best way? So I am like a bring my kids with me all the places, do all the things, you know, manage, whatever. His work environment is not like that at all. So like I would be needing to do something or doing school. And then he's like, I have a meeting. You can't let the kids in the bedroom. I'm going to lock the door. And I'm going, (laughs) oh my gosh, I have a meeting every day and the children are around. (laughs) And then I don't know, a fair way into it. He was like, I'm just being a baby. I need to suck it up. You go do what you have to do and the children will be fine. And I'm like, thank you. So slowly he adapted. But we enjoy it. I mean, we loved having him around, but it was definitely hard for my son. My son has a work mode and a play mode. And, you know, play mode usually starts when dad gets home. You know, it's the end of the day. We can sit down. We can watch something or play a game together or whatever. And so he at like noon, he's trying to be like, okay, I'm going to go play video games for the rest of the day. And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we didn't even talk really about how much the mix of having our children home all the time now was. You know, Lindy, you had homeschooled already. Rachel, you had homeschooled already. But Amber and I, we were not We were not on this homeschool game. (laughs) No. To be fair, though, my kids are older than your kids, and so they are pretty self-sufficient. You are probably the one who has had to, and you own the company. So you have had a lot of um, balls in the air, juggling balls in the air. She said balls. (laughs) And then made a wincing face like, how is that going to translate on a podcast? Okay, so now now I want to enter the bubble of uh, visuals. Oh, okay, golly. so how much fun did we have all of a sudden having to think about social distancing and masks with the visuals that we had planned and strategized for the year and how stressful, I mean, at least for me, I, I can speak that it was stressful to try to figure out 
what kind of visuals to use to make sure that people didn't yell at us for standing close to another human in a photo taken three months before. I was just going to say that is the that has been the most challenging thing for for me, especially for clients who have spent thousands and thousands of dollars over years of time building up um, these huge cat catalogs of images for for their which is something that we've been telling them to do right you need you need original images use your own images stock photography that belongs to you we, we preach it right and then all of a sudden oh yeah so none of that is good anymore and if you do yeah. use it you need a disclaimer this was taken three right. months ago yeah exactly right which often isn't seen because it's under the yeah. Seymour category um but but then at the same time going back to what I said kind of in the beginning of the podcast uh, every client was different some clients were like I don't care let them call us out on it that's stupid um but it is funny because when that first happened there were mask police everywhere why aren't they wearing masks why aren't they I mean it, it was like immediately and it's like holy smokes you don't know when that image was taken now like who unleashed this army of 55 year old women <laughs> named Karen policing everybody's distancing yes. settle down Karen this like, was taken three months ago and it was a safer time do they really but, think we're taking our photography the same day that we post it like some people do they don't know the strategy that goes in I, it's just stress right people are just stressed and it comes out in weird ways and if for them to feel safer they want everyone wearing a mask they're critical of everything right um i I tend to not say things that I don't know emphatically or I, that I don't know a lot about online because you're going to be quick to get put in your place and that's embarrassing, right? So it, it's crazy how how crazy they were at first and now that we are really in, in into this mask mandate and it's we've had time to take images that have masks on it, I have more clients that are just like, use my images, Right. Um, if they can't figure out it was taken a while ago, now I see less and less and less of those people who are out there. Less mask police. I agree. With stock photography anyway. So it, it's weird. I don't know if they got sick of people saying, it was taken three months ago, lady. <laughs> or sir, whichever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's definitely been an interesting photography, stock photography imagery that has been really a huge challenge. I got really good at um, cropping images down. Like, luckily, one of my clients is a chiropractor, so if I can just get a picture of her hands on somebody's back and you can't see the person's face and don't know if they have a mask on, it worked. <laughs> That's so smart. The crop, your cropping skills have just, you can put that on your resume from 2020. <laughs> Fabulous cropper. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I feel like clients have, I've also been able to train quite a few clients on how to take better candid photography now because, you know, with the restrictions that have been in place, we have not been able to do as much professional photo shoots um, where we've got the photographer coming in and going through the office. It's just too much. It's, I used to do them like twice a month. You know, I probably had at least two photo shoots a month that I was helping manage and now it's like maybe one every other month because there's just so much more regulations that the photographer has to follow, that the client has to follow. And so some of them have gotten 
quite good at taking some of their own photos and knowing what rules to have, you know, okay, so what's this photo going to, okay, let's make sure you have the mask in this one. Cause you're going to have three people in the photo. Okay. It's just going to be you. Okay. We don't need a mask for this one. And I think their skills have improved quite a bit. Yeah. Anytime you can get a photo also, that's just one person in the image. Mm-hmm. Those you generally won't get yelled at about masks. <laughs> Everybody's heads <laughs> nodding emphatically. Yes, yes, one person, no other humans. <laughs> um, it's already been hard enough, you know, like Lindy and I, one of the clients that we work on together, they had an employee who is no longer with them from when we took one of their first photo shoots. And so that significantly lowered the amount of photos we could use right there because she's like, we don't want any photos with this person in it. And then we also have to be mindful of of social distancing and masks and so like there's this tiny cropping (laughs) of photos that we had access to actually use that was pretty cuckoo bananas one thing that i've seen as a trend from this is the importance of google business listings you know like google business listings is kind of a sub service that we do but it's usually something that small businesses need some help on and all of a sudden these google business listing posts that we used to use just for kind of an seo bump started getting quite a bit more traffic and attention. Did any of you see that? Lindy, I know you do some Google business listing posts and Rachel too. Yeah, they actually, um, they came out with a COVID-19 update post, which is different from a regular post on Google business listing. And for whatever reason, whatever it is they're doing, those COVID-19 updates get like routinely three to four times the number of eyes on them than their regular posts and they don't even have photos like they're just it's just a text update basically saying you know give us an update on what your business is doing in regards to COVID-19. I found that too that those ones did significantly more eyes on them Um, but it was interesting too it's like oh well I just want to see more eyes on it so should I just post everything on there there's no exactly do you gain the system real (laughs) monitorization about whether it actually had to do with that kind of content or not Um, unlike Facebook you know where there's strict regulations about you know communicating using COVID-19 language and health things. So it was interesting trying to manage, well, okay, how can I not, how can I use it without gaming the system? And, you know, is this actually going to be of value? I was, I was actually curious if um, Google was monitoring the content, like Facebook, obviously we know has keywords that trigger their I mean, people are getting silly stuff reject, rejected anymore and hidden. And and Tons. I was curious if Google was doing that. But how many times did you get hung up with Google yourself as a, as a normal consumer where you're like, are they even open? What are their hours? Are they doing takeout? <laughs> Do they have an online yes. menu? Um, or are, have they adapted to do something different? Like zoo lights you used to walk through, now you can drive through, right? So a lot of people have ad- adapted to the circumstance to be compliant. And those Google business listings are so critical for that kind of stuff. Um, so more than anything, as a consumer, I've used it. And, and you can kind of tell when people haven't been active on it and then you don't trust it. And you're often like, okay, well, I'm not gonna try that because 
for me, everything's a half an hour away, but like, that's too much of a drive or, or whatever. And let's be honest, people are lazy. They don't like to call. If they can text you, they'll do it. If they can... It's not even just lazy. <laughs> it's like this This social distancing is almost like a physical manifestation of our lack of desire to oh have to gosh. talk to humans who we don't <laughs> want to talk to. That's so sad and kind of true. That's It is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So we could talk about the pandemic forever, but um, that's not the only thing that happened this year that affected us greatly. So I want to... I wanna, um, shift gears to talking a little bit about the racial and social justice issues that were brought to light this year. Um, when George Floyd was killed and the whole movement around racial justice really, um, was sparked through the whole country. And it only happened what a few weeks into our quarantine time. And so it felt like this massive wave of like, um, I, I don't even know. None of us knew what to do. You know what I mean? Like, and, and our response was just to not do anything like for a while, right? Everything paused. We paused everything for like two weeks because the entire internet was flooded with content about George Floyd and about Black Lives Matter. And it took a while to figure out how to come back into the conversation for brands. Um, Rachel, what was that like for you with some of your clients? Yeah, it was, um, it was really interesting because we had to, A, be really careful about what we were saying in regards to, because there's still a pandemic going on. There was still all the mask stuff going on. And then there's this you know, racial justice piece added in too. And, you know, you can only be 150% supportive for so long before you just don't even know what to do anymore. Um, and I had some clients that were like, okay, you know, that's a little bit more of a political issue than, than the pandemic. And so they were like, we don't even want to, let's not talk, you know, we don't need to talk about that. Um, so they wanted to kind of keep their content going, which was the normal content as far as what normal had become for pandemic. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but then there were other clients that I had that were like very community focused and those clients just constantly pumping out supportive messages and supportive messages and supportive messages. And so at what point do you start very carefully putting other types of content back out there. It was hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It felt to me like at that time it was, it was like, it was like walking on hot coals, you know, like there's a specific technique that you can try that you can use to not get burned, but like it doesn't change the fact that there's hot burning coals under your feet, every step that you take. And so I know I, I told everybody for like two weeks, we need to just not do anything because I just didn't want to have to. It's it's like you said, Amber, at the beginning, everybody's tone is different. Everybody's voice is different. And like all of a sudden this new topic coming in became, OK, how does every single client feel, want to respond? How do we recommend that they respond? Um, and we had to have these like real in-depth conversations with all of our clients about this before we could move forward on anything. Yeah, I, <clears throat> excuse me. I think 
that in that two week period of time, I think that that was our period of time where as social media managers, our job was to listen. Um, because we, our instincts were one thing. Um, we want to help our fellow humans. We want to be a, a voice and a light for people who um, have had a quiet voice for so long. But you don't know what voice that's supposed to be. And there for the first couple of weeks, it was like, no, not that. Oh, nice try. Nope, that's not right either. No, don't do that. And it felt like you were damned if you do and you were damned if you didn't there for a while. And so I think that and I think in that time is when we came up with that quote. and We've used it a few times that listening is your best tool to growth. Um, that is so true on so many levels, and it's kind of similar to things here in Washington State and maybe across the country. I just, I got to be honest, at, at this very moment, the George Floyd, the protesting, the chop and Chaz zone in Seattle, that is when my social media manager fatigue started and when I really started just feeling so defeated. Um and then it's just kind of, it's had ebbs and flows since then, but that is kind of when it started. And and there's so much anger and so much hate in our social media feeds right now. And the whole entire time, I'm always just, listen, listen, listen. I wish people would just listen because I get it. Burning down buildings and rioting. And um, in Washington state right now, we have an uprising coming on. And even in my small, tiny little community of people who, are um, feeling like none of this shutdown makes much sense to them. And so they're saying like, open us back up, we're done with this. And the, the groups of people, when you think one way or the other, they're just going at it and nobody is listening. And I felt this way with the George Floyd. I'm like, nobody's listening. You're seeing the violence and you're seeing um, the devastation that's happening and you're immediately turning like cold to it. But it, it, I just wish people would would take some time and listen to what those people are trying to say because it's it's a it's an action of a people who feel like they have no other choices. And as social media managers, and that's the same thing that's going on in Washington right now. Only it seems to be a different like political affiliation. If if you were, I, I think that there are people who empathize with both groups. But um, ultimately. If you just take the time to listen, I think that that's where the progress is going to be made. And that's with social media managers too. We have to listen to people. We have to be careful. We can't do any of this knee jerk. That first two weeks where we were just silent, we were listening. I think that we did a good job of managing our clients and what they wanted to say um, without having a knee jerk reaction and putting some content out there that was going to um, hurt somebody. So, um, yeah, I agree. You know, we weren't running to every client saying, okay, what statement do you want to make? Right. You know, let's draft your statement, you know, which that's what was happening a lot, right? Is all of a sudden there was this one really big wave of these positive supportive messages. And it was like, okay, well, a lot of people felt this feeling like if I don't jump onto this, am I going to be persecuted for that? And, and so we had to balance that with, giving them the confidence that listen if we can take this time and and exactly like you said let's look at what our followers are posting about you know let's look at what our audience is really talking about exactly like you're saying that served the brand better than 
forcing a statement. Now, a lot of people did choose to make statements, but it was something that, you know, we crafted together with their tone in mind. Um, those those people are also, they're business owners, but they're also human beings too. And they may have had stronger convictions about that particular movement than another business owner who is, has stronger convictions about something else. Like we cannot all be all the things, right? And when right. it comes time to be one thing, you better make darn sure that you are that thing before you start spewing stuff <laughs> out, right? So um, again, listen, just listen. <laughs> Okay, so that's another event that happened through 2020 um, and has kind of continued to be a topic of importance as we've been thinking about our content. Um, one thing I think it did for me, too, is all of a sudden I have a new switch turned on. I mean, I, I'm kind of awakened to a bit of my privilege that I didn't realize before. You know, living in Washington and, and growing up here, it's pretty homogenized, and so all of a sudden my inclusivity switch is turned on and I'm like, okay, why am I choosing this stock image of these two white people versus, you know, something that we might be more representative. Um, and so I feel like that's one thing that has come out of this just for me individually is this inclusivity filter that I've put onto myself for choosing content for clients that might be more representative of a community at whole. Okay, so let's fast forward a few months through the madness and um, think about as we were getting into fall and the election <laughs> was beginning. I can't even say the word without without feeling like the crazy coming out of me a little bit. Um, so, Lindy, as you've been kind of watching everybody in Spry trying to navigate, what observations did you have about how we were all working to manage our content during the time of the election? Well, it's been interesting because, you know, we've had big discussions about how do we, you know, forward think and plan content strategies, but also allow those strategies to be agile with large shifts that were coming on a dime, you know, how do we manage content when algorithms will be putting other content forward? You know, do we plan a big promotional thing during an election? No, because the algorithms, even if we put money behind it, we're not going to show that content to very many people. Um, but I also saw that we changed kind of the way that we used our own personal social media time. You know, that so many people were at home and, you know, messing around on the internet that it was like 2020, the year of trolls. You know, everybody was the internet police, which made our job difficult. But part of that too meant that we spent so much time on social media for our work that we chose to spend less time on social media for ourselves because we were already um, being inundated with that content. So... You bring up a good point, though, which is it's interesting that we did all that whole month of content on the social dilemma right before the election started getting the most heated. Right. And 
I am so grateful that we chose to do it that way because I learning from everything that we researched, that's when I turned off my Facebook notifications on my phone, my Instagram notifications on my phone. Um, I started using timers to kind of block out the time that I was doing presence management intentionally instead of just being tied to it all the time. And I think that saved me during the election, saved like my own sanity. I see you all shaking your head too. Um, Rachel, do you feel similarly? Yeah. And I think that that also coincidentally was the same time that new Facebook came out. And I decided I didn't like new Facebook, especially on desktop. <laughs> It actually kind of worked. I don't know if they, I, I don't know if they did this on purpose. I can't imagine they did, <laughs> but like it made me not want to go on Facebook because I hated the, the way the platform was set up now on desktop. So it actually helped me focus more on work. Um, when I was supposed to be working, I was working on work um, and going just to the business manager instead of like going to my regular Facebook and getting distracted for five minutes before, oh yeah, I was supposed to be going to this client's page and working on their stuff. Because I just didn't even want to look at the new Facebook, so I avoided it entirely. Um, and that surprisingly quickly led to different habits in how I was interacting with social media altogether in my alone time. And like I started reading books again instead of sitting there scrolling through Facebook. And even now, like, I don't get on it that much on my phone. It's just, it's totally changed um, how I interact with it. And I think it, I do think that it was a really good time for that to happen with all of the election stuff going on and everybody being up in arms, you know, constantly about everything. Just like, made it easier for me to be like, oh, this doesn't bring value to my life right now. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to interact with it. I'm going to turn it off and do something else. Mm -hmm. So it was good. <laughs> Lindy, that was such a good point about changing our personal habits because it also kind of, not, it's not that what we learned in the social dilemma was new information necessarily. It was just framed in a way that I understood very well, which was like, okay, the reason, as we're entering election season, the reason that this side feels like this side is crazy and this side feels like this side is crazy is because the algorithm is giving them content that just confirms their biases. And so if I don't participate in those conversations, I can remain um, more objective. And I even started I even started on purpose, like I would watch little videos from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, but then I would also watch videos from Fox News because I'm like, okay, let's let's see what's happening and how they're talking about topics on both sides. And that's not something I did before. So, so changing that behavior really helped me to not get burnt out in my job during the election season of social media. What, how was it for you, Amber? I did the opposite. Probably two months before the election, I stopped reading, engaging with, pausing over everything, any political, anything. I intentionally was training my algorithm <laughs> to leave You're like, me do not show alone. me this. Some of the stuff that was really heated, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. And oh, you actually read? Yeah. Um, push that little down yes. arrow and, and, and told and them you don't want to see it. And I will say that the election season was okay for me. I It worked. And I was like, I'd get on my newsfeed and was like super proud of myself. Like, <laughs> oh, all I see is cute babies and food. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, one thing that I noticed from a social media manager's perspective during the time of the election is that reach and engagement has dropped pretty significantly, even still now into December. Um, the ad dollars that I would put towards something in the summer, the amount of reach that I'm getting in, in the, the fall and early winter for the same amount of money is much less. Are you guys seeing that yeah, too? And the and, um, ads are getting rejected more, much A more lot, yes. now than they mm-hmm. were, you know, in the spring and summer. And it's- that's a struggle is, and that is, I, I want to be like, this is why you hire a social media manager. I guess another reason, right, is because when we create those ads, and Rachel does a lot more of this than I do, she's kind of babysitting them, right? So she's looking at them every day, maybe every other day while they're going to make sure that they're still doing what they're supposed to do. Um, and so then she has this vast bank of knowledge that she knows, oh, that something's not right with that. And she's able to pivot. Um, and, and those kinds of things are invaluable, I think, to business owners who are busy and who need to make every dollar stretch as far as they can right now. Plus, yes, we are definitely seeing that the reach and the return on ads is just significantly less. And I can't help but think that's going to stick around. Kind of like Amazon's two-day shipping that turned into a week shipping. <laughs> and it doesn't seem to have gotten any better. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, is this the new normal? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good point. I'm having to really alter the way that I communicate with potential clients. Like before, I knew pretty well the averages of if you spent $10, $15, your reach is going to increase from X to Y, you know? Now, I can't even confidently give those those equations because I don't have enough data with the new system that's in place right, right and now. that new Facebook has kind of transitioned into like a new ad avenue too, where it's, it You're seems right. like it's becoming much more pay, pay, pay to play. Instead of like a mm-hmm. pay and play, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's less fun play with more money. <laughs> yes. Um, with that, a lot of my clients, I've seen much more success doing kind of like person to person networking through Instagram. So, you know, instead of we might spend ten fifteen dollars on an ad on Instagram that's going to get us you know, five new followers, it's going to, we're going to reach a few hundred more people. But when I'm getting real results is when I'm collaborating with other creators. It's like when I've got content, um, we'll take for instance, the premium weightlifting equipment client that I work with, right? Every time that they're making a new sale to somebody who's on Instagram, we've basically trained their audience to take pictures with their their equipment that they get, they're putting up the content, but then they're sending us the original content. We're able to create posts, stories, and tag them, and then they're sharing them on their stories. And that process brings in more new followers and more engagement and more sales than running an ad does. Um, So I'm spending a lot more time really kind of massaging those relationships in direct messaging than I am creating new ads. So that's almost like reversing the social distancing, but still in a digital <laughs> world. You see yeah, what I'm saying? Like, like at least it's bringing us people to people. We always say that if you have humans in your images, that that content is night and day difference to um, just a plain image of, you know, a pretty sunset. 
our food. <laughs> Have a human in it. But I humans connect to humans, right? Um, if you can get humans who know the humans in the photo, so like what you're saying yes. is they their friends see, oh my gosh, I know that guy. That is mm-hmm. fire. That is fire. And that it's that should be everybody's goal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, as we're getting closer to the end, um, I want to ask everybody if you have taken one thing away from 2020, because we all know we're all adults here. We know that with uh, trauma and experience and difficulties and stress, the nice thing about them is they bring lessons, right? Here's my stubborn optimism coming coming back again. Um, they bring lessons and we learn from really difficult experiences. So... Um, Amber, do you have one thing that's like a really big takeaway that you've had from all the things you've experienced in 2020 as a social media manager? Um, I think I already kind of touched on it, but my biggest thing is to that I've learned is to be a better listener um, where there have been things posted that I don't agree with at all. And once I do some digging, I understand the perspective. I understand where they're coming from. So the outward show of whatever it is, is different than the root of the problem. And I wish that we could all do that. It's been helpful for me in my job um, because I just have a a better understanding of these hot topics, if you will, um, than most because I've been open to actually hearing the people who are sad and hurting and trying to say something no matter what method they're using whether it's, you know, violent or loud or normally not something that we think fondly of. So being a better listener. I like it. It's like your your empathy switch has been turned up a notch, you know. What about you, Rachel? What's one thing that you think you've really taken out of 2020? I think um, I've got a couple things. I think there's huge value in being flexible and able to um, not being afraid to just pause and not do anything for, you know, a few days or a couple weeks even, and just kind of take stock of what the new situation really is instead of having some sort of um, knee-jerk reaction and needing to get something out there. Um, I think flexibility and being able to to just pause and slow down and wait and see. And I guess that kind of, you know, talks into listening. Like Amber said, like it doesn't have, you don't have to respond to something, you know, you're not a news media. You don't need to be the first person to respond (laughs) to whatever's going on new in the world. So yeah, just be flexible and be willing to slow down and really think about what you want to, out there okay I like that a lot Lindy what about you tell me tell me your lesson of 2020 as a social media manager 2020 was really about how to be honest to your brand you know some of our especially you know when we started talking about the George Floyd stuff coming back to that for a second um when it if it was normal for your brand if it was something your brand would care about or normally talk about or do if it was true to that then you should do it 
if it wasn't true to your brand, then it would come off feeling not true. And then people would see and understand that. So really helping other brands and ourselves kind of hone in on what we value and what we stand for and helping to spread those things on social media. Listening, Lindy's is like getting really to the core of a brand. I think mine has a lot to do with resilience. Um, I am just so impressed. We'll just brag internally for a minute. I'm just so impressed with our team's ability to maintain throughout this whole year. Um, You know, we're used to being able to see each other once a month uh, in person. And we're used to being able to you know, go see our clients when we need to see them. And the fact that we were able to, I guess that has a little bit to do with flexibility too, like Rachel said, but the fact that we're able to bend and stretch and adapt um, and stay thriving is just so amazing to me. Um, You know, I see so many other companies who have not stayed remote, you know, employees are still coming in And that's fine, and I'm glad that they're making the choices for themselves, but I really honor the fact that we've kind of chosen to be as safe as we have as a team and, you know, stay isolated in our our own homes and families and communities and um, just still just transition and do everything digitally. I think we're so awesome. I'll echo that because that actually was what I kind of had written down at first. Um, similar. I I cannot tell you how many times throughout this year when I'm sitting down to do my job that I'm like, Amber, you can do hard things. Like I'm so resentful of social media right now. This job was, is, is such a blessing to me and the way that my life is and where we live and, and how we choose to live and with kids and being a mom. And it all of a sudden got to a point where I don't like social media for a personal use right now. And so there's this like constant battle that I've been having. And I'm like, Amber, you can do hard things. I've said it probably a hundred times and I've had to be resilient and get, get back on the horse. Cause I know this too shall pass. It, it will, it'll get better. Um, but being adaptable to hard things is another thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're capable than way more than we understood. You know, I can already see that I I'm homeschooling my kids for the first time. You know, I never thought I would do something like that. Do I throw their packets at the wall sometimes? Maybe I do, but I still come back in and sit down and we get through our lessons and, and, you know, the amount of things that we've all gone through and taken on through this time and still continue to do our job, I think is just very impressive. And I'm grateful that I've had the ability to do it and that all of us have kind of had each other to lean on in a virtual space and and support each other. So I think the value, maybe part of that is I've learned the value of, of a team, you know, of, I'm sure, I, I don't know how social media managers who are freelancing right now are managing the stress of handling all of this. If I didn't have our team to be able to talk through the issues as they come, um, I think it would be much, much harder. Absolutely. You guys have all become my best friends. Like, you're the people I that I see the most outside of my family. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. 
I agree with that so much, Rachel. Like I look forward to our meeting so much because it it is, I miss you all so much in human form. I just do. <laughs> Um, I often sometimes just cause I have high anxiety as a human, I get nervous before meetings, even our team meetings, just because I don't know, I'm carrying it all in my head. I don't know what it is, but I always walk away feeling so like uplifted after having a, a chat with a team. And so I hope, you know, I think that this podcast is really supposed to be like that for other freelance social media managers and people who are are going through all of this maybe without a team I hope that this can serve as um, as that for social media managers who maybe don't have a team to lean on yeah and if somebody you know if somebody out there is listening to this and we are helping them let us know because we would love to hear from that person <laughs> that's true or if you need someone to throw stuff back and forth with we do that a lot in spry space in our facebook group and it's not just us it's lots of other social media managers too where we can be like hey this is my natural reaction am i totally off base what are you guys doing are you pausing are you talking about it you know, that's a good place to find support in some of these online social media communities for social media managers who don't have a team. Okay, so at the end of every Space podcast episode, we like to talk about where we've been working, interestingly, and none of y'all have anywhere interesting you've been working, so I get today. And um, mine isn't that interesting, but it's kind of exciting. I moved into a new space um, just last week, so I am... Uh, today is like my eight day mark in my new space. And I am proud to say that I think I'm about 95% set up and it's just looking wonderful and I feel more at home. Um, it's my first time living on my own. So I am sleeping with a hammer under my pillow as a weapon. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't have my security system installed yet. (laughs) I didn't even think about that being the first time that you've been the only adult in the house. Yeah, exactly. You know. So, me and well, my hammer. You and the hammer. <laughs> all right. Well, I enjoyed having you all here so much, of course, as always. And we're so grateful for anybody who is listening. Um, if you enjoyed this and you want to hear more from us, you can always find us at thinkspry.com. You can find us on social media at thinkspry. And we would love to invite you into the Spry Space Facebook group, like Lindy talked about. All right. Shall we all get back to work now? (laughs) Sounds good. Thanks for joining us, everyone. All right. We appreciate you all and we hope you keep learning. We will talk to you soon.